Hi, welcome to Qubytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. My name is Rene from Valorum Reply, and today we're going to talk about quantum random numbers. And for this, I'm honored to have a special expert guest today, not a random guest, of course, Wenmia Yu. Hi, Wenmia, and welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me today. Awesome. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as it relates to uh, quantum and physics and also, of course, related to topics, business and so on? Well, interestingly, um, my path into physics and quantum was quite non-linear. I studied chemistry for my undergraduate, my master's at Oxford, and actually only came into quantum through a student startup program that I did in my last term. Um, and that's why I met the rest of my quantum dice co-founders. And that's why I first um, begin to learn about quantum random number generators. And then afterwards, of course, more about the wider quantum technologies um, industry here in the UK and now globally as well. Um, a bit about myself. I'm a co-founder and director of business development at Quantum Dice. I focus on how we commercialize our quantum random number generator. Um, and in terms of the quantum ecosystem here in the UK, I'm very familiar with um, programs and those incubators such as the Quantum Technology Enterprise Center in Bristol, where a lot of the UK-based quantum startups have come out of. Got it, got it. Well, pretty impressive. So from chemistry, so quantum chemistry, and you know, chemistry, of course, has a lot of relation to quantum these days. And uh, But let's dive into our today's topic, which is about random numbers. Um, but before we talk about quantum random numbers, um, can you explain for our audience why we actually need random numbers in computation at all? And what is the gold standard these days? Of course. Um, so right now, there are two main application areas where random numbers are needed. One, of course, is in security. So any sort of encryption protocols or encryption algorithms that secure our data while our communication systems depend on a source of random numbers for the encryption keys. And of course, the other application area of quantum numbers is using them as seeds into Monte Carlo simulations for various sorts of simulations. So for example, drug modeling or biochemistry modeling. Um, where we um, see the most frequent use of random numbers of a gold standard, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it really depends on which application area. So, for example, in security, there are tests such as the NIST suite of tests developed in the US or the BSI AIS 31 tests um, here in Europe. And these are really designed to test for the quality of the randomness being generated from any sort of random number generator. And these can either be pseudo random number generators from computer algorithms or they can also be hardware-based classical random number generators. Um, so for example, I'm sure a lot of people saw on Twitter or elsewhere online, Cloudflare's um, lava lamp random number generators. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice one, right? They have a whole wall of, of lava lamps, or at least one, I don't know, and then random movement of the nature, basically, right? Or like, like not 100% random, but there's thermodynamics involved with the lava lamp, right? Uh, but of course, there's like random stuff because we, you know, our world, with quantum physics, we have random things, which leads us to the next question. Uh, what is actually so special then about quantum random numbers and why they are better than pseudo-random numbers and what they cannot fulfill, basically, pseudo-random numbers? Why would you choose quantum random numbers? Yeah, so I think I'm probably going to unpick that question a bit because um, the types of random numbers that you choose will really depend on where you want to use them. So, for example, um, for me personally, um, if I think about security, et cetera, um, I know that my requirements for long-term data security wouldn't be as stringent as, say, for example, a government or a military. 
Um, and kind of going back even a bit further, there are really two main classes of random number generators. There are the pseudo random number generators, which we talked about briefly, and these are based on computer algorithms. But of course, they, as the name would suggest, they are pseudo random and hence they are vulnerable to bias and brute force attacks. And the other class of random numbers are hardware based random numbers. Um, and these, for example, could be based on radioactive decay, or they could also be based on thermal fluctuations. Um, but the main drawback of the classical hardware-based random number generators is that they are based on deterministic processes. And also because they are physical devices, the hardware is actually vulnerable to degradation over time or to attacks on the hardware, which would lower the quality of the randomness being generated and hence being used as the encryption keys. Um, I think one example of that has been quoted is actually the 2013 smart card bridge in Taiwan, where a flaw in the hardware random number generator that was used actually compromised around 10,000 of citizen smart cards, but actually managed to somehow pass government certifications. So this is a really interesting aspect because a lot of the times attacks on the um, hardware-based random number generator source would go unnoticed and hence there is a silent failure problem that then would feed into whatever encryption protocol it is being used in. That's a, that's a good point. Like really, I mean, if you can kind of guess the random number, how random is it, right? And so quantum random numbers or the, the real deal. Um, yeah, I mean, quantum physics space, right? So we have random random events happening, uh, non-deterministic, and well, we can, we can use this. And so your company produces one of these random, quantum random number generators, right? And so how does it work and how can it be integrated actually in an existing IT and cryptography landscape? Because we also got to, you know, integrate the system into existing um, infrastructure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so of course, we are a company that makes quantum random number generators and we're not alone in that. Um, and in fact, I think companies began as soon as, as early as 2001 to make random number generators based on quantum processes. And generally, um, the difference between any quantum random number generator and classical hardware-based random number generator is that is, is the core of the process from which the random numbers are being generated. And of course, within quantum uh, random number generators, it's based on the fundamentally probabilistic nature of quantum mechanics, which means that whatever is generated should be theoretically true random numbers. But of course, as with any translation of theoretical concepts into an actual physical product that is used in day-to-day -day life, there are its challenges, you know, it's very, I think sometimes, of course, the theory takes a long time to develop, but then actually turning that theory and engineering it into a product that can operate in different environments and work um, in actual operational systems, that is the challenge. Um, and what we do at Quantum Dice is, of course, we use um, quantum mechanics to generate the random numbers, but we also have a patent for a protocol um, that is called Source Device Independent Self-Certification. It's quite a mouthful, but what it means um, for us is that it effectively, um, we have a protocol that continuously monitors the physical device mm -hmm. and is able to both detect for any changes to a physical device, as well as adjust for output random numbers to those changes in real time. Which means that, um, for example, if there was a change in temperature around the device, or if a malicious third party decided to shoot microwaves at it, this protocol will be able to detect those changes in the physical environment, adjust for it, so that we can ensure that whatever leaves our random number generator or the black box is actually verified and truly random numbers that's only coming from a quantum process. And kind of linking that 
a bit more into day-to-day -day life. Um, of course, our quantum random number generators, with many others, are made using physical components. Um, our quantum process sits within a classical or an electronics architecture, and all of these um, classical um, environments would introduce classical noise. And what this protocol does is to effectively filter out the unwanted classical noise that can pollute and reduce the quality of the random numbers to ensure that uh, whatever is generated, for, generated from our box and being used by our customers is um, encryption keys are truly quantum random numbers. And in terms of integration, we're working on a variety of, of different form factors. And the reason for that is because um, really, you know, any sort of encryption system needs random numbers. So for example, right now we have a discrete component um, device that we call Apex One. And this is in the form factor of a 19 inch rack mount server. And this was specifically designed for use as an external source of entropy within classical systems. So for example, within hardware security modules, which are then used to secure government and data centers or networks. And at the same time, over the past few years, we have also been developing um, a smaller, more compact version of the quantum random number generator. Um, and this was designed for use in space. So it's been designed um, for use within small sets or CubeSats um, to act as the source of encryption keys within satellite quantum key distribution systems. Oh, very nice. So now we're talking quantum key distribution. Um, that's actually interesting. I haven't thought about like this aspect of, of your solution, but surely, of course, right? You need random numbers there as well. And so it's a more like space-proof package, I, I would say, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what we found by speaking to a lot of both uh, classical and also quantum security system developers is that they all really have their individual package of um, priorities that we need from the key generator. So for example, in the classical world, um, it really is the self-certification protocol that sets us apart because this allows a real-time health check of the source of encryption keys, but it's also able to react to any changes. So it's kind of kind of um, increases and also increases the assurance that their customers can have in their security system. And then looking onto the space um, sector, for example, and especially within satellite-based quantum key distribution, for them, they need to have a quantum random number generator because they need that true source of random numbers. But they also need the physical product to be small enough, to be lightweight enough, and to have a low enough power consumption so that it can fit inside small sets such as CubeSats um, without having to compromise on the actual generation rate. Um, so one example um, is within satellite QKD, the BB84 protocol is often used. And for that, they need at least 400 megabits per second of post-processed random numbers. And that currently is 100 times more than what the closest market offering of a QNG with that form factor can provide. So there are ways to go around it, of course. You can buy multiple slower quantum random number generators, but of course, these would take up more space on your um, satellite. And um, the other option is to actually create a buffer. So you could generate random numbers, store it, and then deploy them once they're needed. But the introduction of this buffer actually also introduces an additional attack vector, which is something that you really want to minimize as much as possible. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. And there's a, a big trend, right? Like for quantum key distribution, um, also with satellites, like China has, I think, in a satellite operational um, I was just talking with Oscar Diaz in a previous episode of Qubytes. Uh, he's from the European Commission. Um, he also mentioned, of course, that the European Commission, the ASA and so on, are active 
Shodanesa also. And it, it all makes sense, right? Because you have less atmospheric scattering if you have a direct connection with a satellite instead of trying to transmit it wirelessly on, on Earth, where you have a lot of, you know, inter interference from, from the, well, the, the nature, basically. So, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, yeah, you need two good random numbers. You need them in a small form factor, like you were saying, low power consumption, of course. And, yeah, proof to, uh, um, you know, the... I don't. I wouldn't say like uh, you know the vacuum out there basically, so that it can sustain there. Awesome. Well, we're already at the end of the show. I'm sure we could talk much more about satellites and also the fantastic thing about quantum random numbers and the nature behind it. Um, but let's keep it there. Uh, thank you so much, Wenmiao, for joining us today and sharing your insights. Uh, this is very much appreciated. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk about quantum random numbers with you. Awesome. Well, and thanks everyone for joining us for yet another episode of Qubytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. Uh, watch our blog and follow our social media channels to hear all about the next episodes. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can always visit the website to watch all episodes from season one to season six now. Uh, until then, take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.